What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. chapter 12 as we spend one more week in our Here Comes Heaven series. And so if you've been with us, the whole purpose of this series is to talk about hope, talk about this amazing, excuse me, this amazing God who offers hope to us even when we find ourselves in hopeless situations, right? which is during this pandemic and everything that's going on in our life is often where we do find ourselves. In these moments where we're struggling for hope, we're struggling to see the silver lining where we don't have a sense of, its, of, of what God is doing. And so we struggle with things like bitterness or we struggle with things like loneliness or we struggle with things like what we'll be talking about tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 12 is, is where we're going to be. And so feel free to open those up, turn those on. We'll also have the verses on the screen for you if you want to follow along with us there. So a few years back, I took a group of three college students on a mission trip to East Asia. And like many mission trips, the purpose of this trip of ours was to share the gospel with as many people as we possibly could. Because we were in what is considered a closed country. So closed country means that at best, sharing the gospel is frowned upon. And at worst, and in certain circumstances, it can actually even be illegal to do it. And so we joined up with some local missionaries who had been doing great work there for a while. And so our job was to go and to share about the good news of Jesus. However, the challenge was that hardly anybody in this country speaks English. And so we would go around and maybe try to find some people who either have broken English or at least knew a little bit of it and try to have a conversation with them. And then the way we'd share the gospel is through this MP3 player that had like, I think, seven or eight different dialects of these different local languages that we would try to find a way to get the person to listen to it with us and then hopefully they could hear the gospel and so that was kind of what we were trying to do and so one afternoon me three college students and our missionary were walking around at a park nearby just to try to meet some people and as we're getting to the park we see that there's this older gentleman there with his family and the missionary we're with is like a 6'3 American. And so he stands out like, like a sore th- thumb in this country. And so he sees these people trying to take a picture. And he like runs over and tries to like photobomb them, right? And so we're just kind of like awkwardly laughing. Like, haha, this is so funny. But at the same time, extremely awkward. And, you know, he kind of does. And then he starts talking to them because he knows the language. And kind of has a quick little conversation with them. And they kind of laugh. And, and then we go and we sit in a nearby casino, probably about 20 miles away. And so as we're sitting in this gazebo, hanging out, out of nowhere, this missionary turns to me and says, okay, Jesse, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this MP3 player. I want you to walk over to the older man over there. I want you to take it. I want you to put it in his ear, and I want you to press play. And when he said that, I was like, nope, don't want to do that. Because, see, I'm an introvert, so, like, walking up to strangers, especially who don't know my language, is, like, always a no. Like, never even a possible, that never even crosses my mind. Not to mention, like, putting things in people's ears is how people end up in jail, right? So, definitely did not want to do this. Like, did not want to do this. But here is my problem. I'm the pastor, right? 
Like, I can't say no to this. Like, it is my job to do this kind of stuff, right? I'm the person who's the paid Christian, right, who's there, right? I'm the person who's like, like the Yoda to the baby Yodas of the group, right? Like, that's who I am. And so I knew, man, I knew even though I was like, I don't want to do this. This sounds horrible. This sounds like something that I would have a bad dream about. I was like, I got to do this. And when I knew that, man, I was filled with so much anxiety. And so I found myself very reluctantly standing up with my MP3 player in my hand and walking over to this guy. And I mean, and just anxiety was overwhelming me in that moment. Because I had no idea what this guy was going to do, right? Was he going to yell at me at a language I couldn't understand, right? Was he going to call the cops on me? Like, what in the world was this guy going to do when I showed up? And so very nervously and very anxiously, I walked over there. And how I felt in that moment in East Asia is how the disciples of Jesus feel in our passage and honestly how many of you feel tonight, especially when it comes to this ministry and what the next step is going to be. And the reason I felt this way and the disciples felt, this, felt that way and the reason that many of you feel this way is because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. And the thought of that brings you so much anxiety. And so tonight, I want to walk through this passage together one last time as your college pastor and to encourage you. So let's jump into this passage together in Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 22. And he, being Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. What's interesting is if you read the context of this period, nobody's talking about anxiety at all. Like, at all. In fact, right before this, somebody in the crowd asked Jesus about possessions. And then all of a sudden, Jesus takes this conversation about, about possessions, and he uses it to direct what I think is a heart problem of his disciples. Because so often we talk about all the amazing things that the disciples of Jesus got to see, right? They got to see Jesus do miracles. They got to see Jesus do these amazing sermons, right? They got to spend life with him. But, if you, but you have to remember, a disciple of Jesus at this point chose to give up an entire life to walk with Jesus. And so they spent 24 hours a day with this guy, going to cities and going to places that they have maybe have never thought about going before. So you got to believe there must have been certain days where they're walking and Jesus is doing ministry and they're starting to think, man, what are we going to eat today? Or after spending weeks or possibly even months with Jesus on the road, right, when they start to smell stinky and nasty, you got to think at points they start to think, man, what are we going to do when these clothes run out? And see, I think Jesus gets this. I think Jesus knows this. And so in this moment, I think he's trying to speak to them right where they are. And what he does is he starts to change their perspective. He starts to shift the way that they think. Because so often what we don't realize is that when it comes to anxiety, perspective plays a very, very important role. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's taking their perspective off of their anxiety and he's placing it on reality. A reality that says that you never have to be anxious about your life, no matter what. And the reason the disciples felt this way and the reason that we feel this way is so often we have anxiety because we wrestle with uncertainty, don't we? 
In fact, I would argue to, I would argue to say that anxiety comes from uncertainty, right? Uncertainty causes anxiety. That's probably a better way of saying that. Uncertainty causes anxiety, right? Whenever you find yourself not really knowing what's going to happen in a class, you're anxious. Whenever you're not too sure what's going to go down in a relationship, you're anxious. And when you're not too positive what's going to happen to a ministry when the leader leaves, you're anxious. Because in all of those moments, in all those situations, there's something happening in the future, and you don't know how it's going to play out. And so you walk around with anxiety, and Jesus gets this, and he knows this. And so when you take the focus on anxiety, that's when, excuse me, when you take the focus on uncertainty, that's when you take the form of anxiety. And so in this moment, Jesus wants to change our perspective. In this moment, Jesus wants to help us deal by, with anxiety. And so the first thing he does is he talks about something that we can find in nature. Because look what it says in the next verses. It says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither storehouse nor barn. Yet God feeds them. But how much more value are you than the birds? Now, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then Jesus says, if you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you so anxious about the rest? And then that's the verse I just read. So I'm not going to read it again. Right? But that's, what Jesus, that's the point that Jesus is making here, isn't it? The point that he is making is that when you find yourself being anxious, you have to remember how much God loves you and how much God values you. Right? That's the point that Jesus is making in this verse. What he's saying to the men is if God, your father, takes care of the birds, how much more is he going to take care of his children? And if God is rain, flowers, and clothing that is better than one of the richest men to ever live, how much more is he going to take care of the ones that he asked his son to die for? And so the point that Jesus is making using these two examples from nature is very simple. is that your heavenly father loves you and that he values you. And here's the thing, we already know that. But so often we forget that, don't we? Especially when we're anxious. I mean, so much of our life, we could overcome anxiety if we just remember the simple fact that our God loved us enough to die for us. I mean, what Jesus says here to the disciples, he later proves at the cross, doesn't he? When eventually he lays down his life for them. And what we so often forget is if God was willing to lay down his life for you, then you better believe he's invested in your life, right? Or you don't just die for somebody and say, all right, well, I guess I'll see you guys later and you have fun, right? I mean, that's not how it works. When you die for somebody, it's because you love them. It's because you value them, right? And God doesn't value us because we're special. He values us because he places value on us for some reason. But because of his goodness, he does. Because of his grace, he does. And because of that, God sees you as somebody he loves. He sees you as his child. He sees you as somebody that he wanted to pursue. And he did everything possible so he could hug you into his arms and say, you are mine and I've got this. 
But so often we forget the amazing reality of the gospel. And in those moments, when we find ourselves seeing the uncertainty of the future and we become anxious. And so Jesus is trying to realign our focus here. Jesus is trying to remind us here how much God loves you and how much God values you. And because Jesus went to the cross and he died for you, there is nothing that takes place in your life that is outside of his control. Nothing. So even when you don't know what tomorrow holds, even when you don't know what's going to happen next week, you can rest in the reality that your God loves you and that he values you. And because of that, you don't have to be anxious. And then as Jesus continues to write, or excuse me, talk, and Luke continues to write, we see something else that he says. He says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And I love this here because what Jesus is reminding us is that your Father knows what you need. Now, only what you want, but what you need. See, so often in our lives, we confuse needs and wants. And we've talked about this before in Engage, in fact, multiple times. And so we really want something, and because we really want it, we're not sure if it's going to happen, right? We're uncertain about it, that's when we become anxious. But Jesus is reminding us here that your Heavenly Father, who values you, He knows what you need. And what we see laid out in Scripture is that God gives us what we need every single day. Because he knows what that is. Now, what we want is the plan for the future. What we want is for God to give us everything that we need for months or years down the road. But what's interesting is what you see in the Bible is this pattern where God causes his people to trust him day in and day out. Right? We see in the Old Testament when Israel is in the wilderness, right, and God provides manna from heaven for them. This amazing bread so they can live in this crazy desert land. But what does God do? He gives it to them every single day. In fact, he's, if they tried to keep it, it would spoil. Unless it was the day before the Sabbath, they couldn't keep it. Why? That seems weird. What well, does it when you understand that God wanted them to trust him every single day, that he would provide them for what they needed? He didn't want them to think about tomorrow. He wanted them to think about today. And even when Jesus teaches us to pray in the New Testament, what does he say? He teaches us to pray to give us today our daily bread. Because every single day, God wants you to trust him for what you need. And so what that means is if you don't have any idea how that class that you're stressing about is going to end, you don't need to know that answer today. Otherwise, God would tell you. Instead, your job is to trust him. And when you need to know, he's going to make sure that you do. And even though you might want to know who's going to be taking over this ministry when I step away. Today, you don't need to know that. And God knows that, right? That's why God wants you to trust him. That regardless of when that, what happens, he's in control. And when you need to know who that person's going to be, God's going to tell you. But you don't need to be anxious about tomorrow. Because your Heavenly Father values you and He knows what you need. And then this is how Jesus ends this 
teaching to his disciples in verse 31. He's instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. And this is big. This is so important for us to, to get tonight. Because what Jesus is saying is instead of worrying about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, what's going to happen in your class, what's going to happen to this ministry, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there, Jesus is saying, instead of worrying about that, what I want you to do is I want you to seek my kingdom. And so what that means to us tonight is if uncertainty causes anxiety, then seeking God's kingdom is what causes peace. If uncertainty causes anxiety, then seeking God's kingdom is what causes peace. Because this is what it does, and the ultimate shift of focus that we need in our lives when we're anxious is remembering that God's kingdom is more important than us. Because what anxiety does, and as somebody who's wrestled with it for so much of his life, what anxiety does is it takes your focus off of everything else in the world, and it causes you to focus on your one situation that you're anxious about. That's all you can think about. It consumes your mind. It consumes what you do, right? That's the, the form that you take. That's what we talked about. And so when you become anxious, you become so self-focused, so self-centered, and even so selfish, which we don't realize, because everything in your life is revolving around you, and everything in the world needs to revolve around you. And you're not going to have peace until you know that everything in this world is going to be okay from your perspective. And what Jesus is reminding us here is, child, look up. Because there is something so much greater that I'm doing in this world. And there's something so much bigger that is happening around you. I know your anxiety feels big. I know it can cause you to experience emotions that can take you into dark places. right? And I think God gets that. I don't think he's trying to dismiss that. But what I think Jesus is trying to dismiss is this notion that we have that somehow this world is about us. And Jesus is saying, man, look around you and seek after my kingdom, and I'll take care of all that. Don't worry about the uncertainty here. Don't worry about all these potential points of anxiety here. Instead, what I want you to do is I want you to seek my kingdom. I want you to see me move, and I want you to see me change people's lives. You pursue me, and I'll take care of the rest. So a couple years ago when I was in East Asia, and I was reluctantly and probably pretty awkwardly walking over to that guy, I finally got there, and I somehow motioned to him that I needed to put something in his ear, and he didn't call the cops. Um, so I'm here today. No, but so he grabs it, and he actually puts it in his ear, so he kind of got what I was saying, and as we sat there, I just pressed play. And so the story was about 10 minutes long. And so in the midst of me telling the story, or not me, but the recording telling it, he kept like patting my head, um, which I thought was like this like cultural gesture. Like, you know, so I'm like trying to be like respectful, like, okay, like I, I got this, like, thank you, thank you, you know, some kind of blessing. Found out later it wasn't. Um, so still not too sure today what that, what that was all about. Um, maybe I should have called the cops. Um, just kidding. Um, and so we're sitting there, and he's listening to the recording. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just, I'm assuming just praying. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just waiting for the recording to end. 
And so as soon as it does, I, I, you know, I call the missionary over as fast as I can, and I'm like, okay, translate for us. And so we were taught to ask three different questions. What do you think about the story? Uh, do you believe in Jesus? And then do you want to follow Jesus? Those are the three questions we were trained to ask. And so I asked the guy, what do you think about the story? And he just starts talking and talking and talking. And I'm sitting there like waiting, for, like, hey, what is he saying? He's like, dude, you got to wait. And so eventually he gets done talking. After what's felt like forever. And what he says in that moment after this, I will never forget. Is he told my missionary friend, he said, I believe you guys were angels sent from God, messengers sent from God. He said, I can tell from creation that there is a God that exists. And he said, now in my age, the only thing I had left to do in my life was to die. But now that you've shared this story with me, this gives me a purpose to live. And in that moment, in a park in East Asia, because I pressed play, a guy chose to follow after Jesus. And what was interesting is that, to, my, to the missionary's knowledge, there was no church in the town that this guy was from. And because he was older, he was more than likely the patriarch of the family. And so through him coming to know Jesus, he would probably lead so many other people in his family to walk after him. And so when I, mean, I look back at that story, I think to myself, man, like, I didn't have to be there, right? I mean, it, I mean, God was clearly on the move. God clearly wanted to do something in this person's life. But my anxiety almost got in the way of that. And so it's so humbling to look back now to think that, man, like all I did is sit there and just press play. And then God absolutely wrecked this guy's life. God's kingdom was clearly on the move, and I should have been seeking that instead of focusing on my anxiety. Because he wanted to do something so big in that guy's life. And I didn't have to be there. But it was such a blessing, it was such an honor, it was such a privilege to sit with that guy in that moment and watch God move in his life. And when I reflect on my time in this ministry, the way I feel looking back on that story is so often, or at least now, how I feel serving you guys. Because what I've realized is that for the last five years, all I've done is stand up on the stage and press play. All we've done is walk through scripture together and talked about the goodness of our God who takes us from death to life. And it's been an absolute honor and blessing to see God absolutely change your lives. To watch God move. To watch God take you guys deeper into your relationship with him. One of the greatest blessings and the greatest joys of my life has, to, has been to be your college pastor. It has never been a burden. I have loved you guys and loved this ministry ever since I started.
But just like that day in East Asia, what God has shown me is he doesn't need me here for, for him to move. He doesn't need me here to change y'all's lives. Because again, all I've been doing is press and play. And so my prayer for you guys, my hope for you guys, is that you would continue to let God move in ways that he has. That you would not let anxiety because of the uncertainty of the future cause you to get so wrapped up in something that you forget how big our God is and how much he wants to do with each and every one of you. And as you do, even though we may never all be in this room together worshiping God in this life, because one day heaven will be coming down here to earth, we will be doing it one day. And your father still has a great desire to see God's kingdom come and his will be done here at JSU as it is in heaven. That was his heart before I got here. That was his heart when I was here. And that's going to be his heart even when I step away. And so as your college pastor who has loved serving you and has loved being here Monday nights with you, let me give you one more challenge for you to do today and for the rest of your life. And that challenge is to seek the Father, not the future. Because when you seek the Father in your life, so many things that cause anxiety, so many things that cause you to worry will fade away. And instead, you'll get to see God's kingdom work in your life, and you'll get to see God's kingdom work in the lives of other people. Don't miss out on those opportunities. Because God is so much bigger than us. And his kingdom is so much bigger than our lives. And I promise you, if you continue to seek the Father and not your future, God will continue to do great things in your life and he'll continue to do great things in this ministry for your good, but most importantly, for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the honor and for the joy that I've had to come here so many Monday nights and to press play to be a part of so many conversations with so many people, God, where you were just moving and you were working. And I got to have the opportunity, Father, to see that firsthand. And so my prayer, God, and my hope is that you'll continue to do great things through each and every one of these people here tonight. And that they would always seek you. That even when life seems uncertain, even when life seems hard, even when life seems difficult, Father, they'd remember that you're still on the move, that you are a God who is still changing lives. And because your kingdom is permanent, and because you are a God who is never changing, even when change happens, even when leadership shifts, your kingdom continues.